Psychiatrists depict serial killers as generally well-placed in life. Ironically, some of the most notorious serial killers in history were prominent members of society. A coworker, neighbor, or perhaps a relative can be gainfully employed for years, cloaked in status and respectability, but scratch beneath the surface and you can find a monster in our midst. This monster, however, is never revealed until it is too late. This case allegedly involved not only serial killings, but abductions, child sexual abuse, organ trade, cannibalism, pedophilia, and necrophilia. A special Central Bureau of Investigation, Court of India, described this case as the rarest of the rare since its brutality and the nature of the crimes of no president in the country's criminal history. The Natari killings in India stunned and repulsed the whole nation in 2006. This story paints a picture of class warfare that has existed from time immemorial in a society that adheres to the caste system and its devastating effects on the young and vulnerable members who belong to its lowest rung. Let's begin with our case, the Natari killings. House number five in Sector 31's Block D, a wealthy suburb located on the edge of Natari village, was dubbed India's House of Horror on December 29, 2006, when the police unearthed the skeletal remains of numerous missing children of Natari in the drainage behind the house of a wealthy businessman, Muninder Singh Pander, and his domestic help, Surinder Kohli. Nitari is a village in the New Okla Industrial Development Authority, also known as Noida, in the western part of the state of Uttar Pradesh in India. The slums were home to the underprivileged community, which was prey to sexual exploitation, child trafficking, and organ trade. Right beside Nitari is the posh and gated community of Sector 31. It had villas and mansions, and luxury cars frequented its paved streets. The two communities were worlds apart, separated only by a single busy lane with a water tank looming over it. Lavish parties were held in Pandare's white three-story house, also commonly known as D5. Neighbors described it as one of the only six houses in the block, and it was famous for its high-profile visitors, doctors, police officials, and other prominent figures. The house was also infamous for its ill repute. Call girls would often be seen stopping over at the house, usually late at night. Rumors of prostitution were rampant. In such a society that looks down upon extramarital affairs, this was highly taboo. It was one of the busiest roads in the area, and that shocked the whole community when the crime scene was uncovered. Pandare, then 52, and Kohli, 36, were immediately arrested and taken into custody following the horrifying turn of events. Over the next few days, more bones were found as the investigation progressed. The most disturbing detail about these grisly discoveries? The size of the numerous skulls found was so small that it could only be assumed to be that of children. As the police searched, more and more slippers, clothes, and remains were found in D5. 
Families of the missing children flocked to the house where they identified bits and pieces of their loved ones, hands, legs, arms, and little skulls. As the case unfolded before the eyes of the citizens, questions began to emerge. Why didn't anybody notice the disposal of the bodies in broad daylight? Did they not detect the foul smell from the drainage? Why did the authorities not know what was happening right under their noses? It was early 2005 when children in Atari Village started going missing. The parents tried to report the cases to the police, but each time they were unsuccessful in pushing for an investigation. The authorities failed to file a first incident report numerous times. The parents claimed that their alarm and worry were taken lightly, ignored, or outright dismissed because of their social status. They are low-income families, mostly migrants, and considered to be Dalits, the lowest stratum of the castes in India. Forced by poverty and their social caste, they are limited to menial jobs. The families later reported that they were intimidated, discouraged, and in worst cases, mocked by the police when they pleaded for help finding their loved ones. They stated that maybe the children had just run away or were up to no good. More children had gone missing, and the police ignored them. Although there were no official reports that were filed, the community was alarmed and pressure was mounting since it reached the local media. The police finally took some action and made their half-hearted attempts regarding the cases, but most were performative. They started questioning nearby residents and found out that the missing children were last seen on the same 100-meter stretch of road between Natari Village and Sector 31. The kids seemed to vanish from this particular spot coined as the Black Hole. It was near a water tower where the kids often played. The police explored the angle of trafficking, gangs kidnapping girls for prostitution, or kids for begging. Disappearances continued within the 100-meter area, which was not adequately monitored. Meanwhile, the people around D5 started complaining about a strong stench coming from its drainage. It was reported to the authorities, but no action was taken against the house owner. The kids continued to play around the water tower, despite the stench, and eventually stumbled upon a decaying hand in a plastic bag. This was reported to the same authorities, but was dismissed as an animal carcass and thrown away. By the end of 2005, there were no improvements. The police had not been able to find any reliable leads and more children were added to the list. 14-year-old Rimpa Haldar, 5-year-old Choti Kavita, 9-year-old Rachna Lal, and 10-year-old Jyoti Lal, to name a few. In a span of two years, children disappeared every 15 to 20 days. The people of Natari suspected Pandare and Kohli since the house was well within the black hole. They were suspicious of the stench and the drainage, but those were speculations that the police did not bother to act upon. It wasn't until May 7, 2006, that the missing persons case led to an official investigation. A girl named Payal, 22, went missing after informing her father, Nand Lal, that she would be working at D5. He tried to contact her as she failed to return home that night, but her phone was switched off. 
When she also didn't come home the following day, Nand Lao went to D5 and questioned Pandare about Peiyang's whereabouts. He denied knowing the girl. Nand Lao was immediately suspicious because Payal had worked there numerous times. He reported this to the police, but was ignored. In desperation, he reached out to all authorities he could. Unlike the other families, he had financial resources and connections. So finally, the Noida Senior Superintendent of Police ordered the local authorities to file a first incident report. And this kick-started an investigation five months after Payal's disappearance. More disappearances occurred during those five months, including that of 20-year-old Pinky Sarkar. When her parents showed her picture to the head of the Nitari police in August 2006, he remarked that Pinky was good-looking and must have run away with someone. The parents later recounted feeling humiliated and infuriated by the police's response that such cases were common among Bengalis. But since the FIR was officially filed five months after Payal went missing and two years after the first girl's disappearance, the police have finally started to take serious action about the matter. In November 2006, Officer Vinod Pandey, the chief investigative officer of the case, followed a lead through Payal's cell phone. Initially, they tracked the location of Pandey's phone on the date that Payal went missing, but it was verified that he was in Chandigarh for his father's funeral. Upon further questioning, Pandare admitted to knowing Payal because of her services as a call girl. He paid her 25,000 rupees to visit him in D5 twice a month. Nand Lal confirmed that he pimped his daughter for 40,000 rupees a month. Regardless, he pleaded with the police to find her. Officer Pandey continued to track the phone with the help of a telecom company and traced it to someone who bought it from a rickshaw rider. He emailed all the telecoms in India with the SIM card number, hoping to get any details about who the SIM card belonged to. As luck would have it, they replied with the name, Surinder Kohli. They apprehended Kohli for theft, but they also interrogated him about the disappearance of Payal. He admitted to the rape and murder of the girl and told them where to locate her purse and clothes. On the night Payal went missing, Kohli called her over to D5 to introduce her to more clients. While waiting, he attempted to have sex with her, but she refused. He proceeded to strangle her with her own scarf. He tried to have sex with her lifeless body, but failed to do so. This admission led the police to think that if he is capable of committing such an atrocity to a 22-year-old grown woman, it is not hard to imagine him doing the same to helpless children. Their suspicions were correct. They showed him photos of the missing children, and he detailed how he committed the gruesome crimes. Kohli initially confessed to killing five children and elaborated on how he disposed of them. After cutting the children's heads off, he wrapped them in plastic bags and threw them in the backyard. He would then pile garbage on the top of the heads to cover the smell. Angry mobs overran the crime scene, crying out for justice for the victims and outraged by the mishandling of the case by the authorities. Natari villagers swarmed Sector 31 and pried open D5's gate. 
The parents and relatives identified their children's clothes and personal belongings inside plastic bags. They frantically dug up more bones. The police found 19 skeletal remains of the missing persons in front of their grieving families. D5 was then dubbed the House of Horrors. They suspected more body count, that it could reach as many as 31 victims. What could have been the reason behind the atrocious actions of Pandare and Koli? On the surface, Pandare was cool and collected even during the arrest, unlike Koli, who looked apprehensive. Pandare's friends described him as the last person you would suspect as a criminal. He was quite a gentleman and a decent fellow, according to them. Pandare came from an affluent and elite background. He ran interstate businesses and had connections with politicians and bureaucrats. His wife is the daughter of an affluent doctor. But the wealthy businessman held many dark secrets and kept his dysfunctional marriage discreet. His propensity for drinking and extramarital affairs pushed his wife to demand separation. At the time of his arrest, he had been separated from his wife for two years. His wife lived in Chandigarh, one of the wealthiest states in India, and his son was sent to study in Canada. Pandera's penchant for the good life and his wealth afforded his jet-set lifestyle, but he often stayed in D5 and hosted lavish parties. He developed diabetes as a result of heavy drinking, which damaged his pancreas and liver. Pandera confessed that he had a powerful sexual appetite and satisfied these urges by hiring prostitutes. Under questioning, Pandera revealed that a madam called Neelam from Faridabad would provide him with women regularly. One of those was Payal. He allegedly told police that he asked Kohli to get rid of her when she started blackmailing him. Moreover, it was reported that he allegedly confessed that during a trip to Thailand in 2004, he had visited sex parlors and clubs that performed sex acts on children and bought CDs of such activities. However, he insisted that he only used the children for oral sex and gave them to Coley afterwards. Did the master and the servant of the house share the same sexual perversions and deviant behavior? Koli was described as shy and meek, the docile servant, while Pandera was outgoing and loved throwing parties. They appeared to be polar opposites. Koli was born in an impoverished village in the foothills of the Himalayas in 1970. Villagers described him as a polite, simple, irregular boy. Koli's family were Dalits, and life for young Koli was hard. When Koli was eight years old, he dropped out of school and started working in a butcher shop with his father. His job included skinning and butchering the animals, skills he later used to butcher children. Eventually, he left his village up in the mountains to look for better opportunities in the city. When he was stable enough, he returned to his village, got married, and had kids. The country boy's path would soon cross that of Pandare, who lived a luxurious life. His eyes would soon be open to the glaring disparity between the rich and the poor. It was said that Koli's bloodlust was due to his sexual abnormality. The psychologist who analyzed Koli, who spoke in low tones and maintained no eye contact, confirmed that he had problems with erection and ejaculation, which made him prone to having sexual fantasies. 
he admitted to having consulted a tantric for help. He was told that he would be cured if he had sex with corpses. This, coupled with his envy of his master's indulgent lifestyle, long periods of having the house to himself, and numerous Natari children just within reach, gave him access to a new world of possibilities that seemingly had no consequences. Subjected to narcoanalysis, he narrated how he acquired sexual gratification from pedophilia and necrophilia. Coley confessed and gave a detailed account of his modus operandi. He would go to the nearby water tower where the kids played. He would offer them chocolates and candies or little chores in exchange for money. Because of their poverty, the kids would often take him up for it. He would then bring them to D5, murder them, have sex with their lifeless bodies, and after he was done, he would dump their slaughtered bodies at the back of the house. In some cases, he disclosed how his cannibalistic tendencies played out. Six officers were dismissed upon an inquiry into their lapses. They were found negligent in handling the Natari cases, and more importantly, it was alleged that they were taking bribes from Pandere. Appeals by enraged residents and the heat from the whole nation watching the scenes unfold put pressure on the Uttar Pradesh government to hand over the case from the local authorities to the Central Bureau of Investigation on January 11, 2007. Two months later, only Kohli was charged with capital murder. The CBI cleared Pandare and blamed Kohli for 19 serial rapes and murders. According to their investigation, Pandare was guilty only of criminal conspiracy, destruction of evidence relating to his sex parties, and running his home as a brothel. CBI argued that all the evidence stacked against Pandare was circumstantial. From Kohli's confession, the clothes and belongings of the children, the skeletal remains, and his own confession of asking Kohli to get rid of Payal. The question remains, did Pandare really not know that his servant had murdered multiple people in his own home? His defense argued that Pandare had deep love and affection for Kohli, who covered for him in front of his wife when he saw call girls. Pandare trusted him and let him run the house. He had no idea what was happening in his own house. Arun Kumar, CBI Joint Director, stated in an interview in the documentary The Karma Killings that Pandare never confessed to the murders. As for the abductions, he was out of town or in a different country as evidenced by his passport and traced locations via his mobile phone. Khalid Khan, the lawyer for the parents of six victims, argued that this does not prove he was not involved in their murders. Kohli could have simply kidnapped the children and waited for Pandare to return to D5. Who knows how long the children had been trapped in the house. People thought Pandare bribed his way out of charges after the CBI aggressively defended his innocence and swept the other allegations under the rug. Based on the Indian justice system, each of the 19 cases was tried separately with his own charges. Each victim would get their own trial. It was speculated that the other families withdrew and accepted a settlement. Officially released names were those of the victims whose cases were being tried because Indian law protects those names to preserve the honor of the victims and their families. 
The controversy surrounding the case further deepened when it was revealed that the CBI had attempted to conceal a critical piece of evidence. Pinky's father, who was present on the day the police raided D5, said Pandera confessed to the murders to Officer Yadav, stating that he would send out Koli to look for victims according to his mood or the type of guests he had for the party. Pandera would then rape the victim and pass them around to his guests. After that, he gave them to Koli to do as he pleased, to kill them and get rid of the bodies. In court, this statement was useless and inadmissible. However, Officer Yadav reportedly recorded the confession in his notebook that night. As advised by his constable, he photocopied the page and later gave it to Pinky's father. Police and the CBI were not aware of this, but they knew the confession was witnessed by Pinky's father. Pinky's father was found dead on September 1st, 2007, after the police made numerous suspicious visits to his house. He looked like he had drowned, but the large wound on his forehead and broken bones suggested that it wasn't the only reason for his death. Pinky's mother still had the notebook photocopy. When Khan, their lawyer, asked the CBI for Officer Yadav's notes and a copy of the confession, they said the officer did not bring his official notebook to the crime. But Pinky's mother presented the photocopy with Officer Yadav's handwriting. The ripped out page even included the page number of his original notebook. With this photocopied page of confession, an internal piece of evidence, the court indicted Pandare. On February 13, 2009, both Kohli and Pandare were found guilty of the murder of one of the victims, Rimpa Haldar, and sentenced to death by hanging. Pandare's team appealed this, and in September of the same year, the Alabad High Court acquitted Pandare and upheld Kohli's sentence on the grounds of lack of evidence. Kohli appealed against this with the help of his new legal team and claimed that he just covered up for Pandare and that his involvement was limited to luring victims. He insisted that he was forced to confess by the police and CBI and was merely a scapegoat. Other holes in the investigation surfaced, such as three bodies of the victims mysteriously going missing, although 19 skulls were initially reported. The other facets of the case, such as organ harvesting, were barely investigated, despite the fact that Pandare's neighbor living in D6, right behind D5, was Dr. Naveen Kodari, who was accused of kidney racket in 1998. The fact that the torsos of victims where most vital organs are located were never found in the drainage was highly suspicious. The child pornography and sex trafficking angle was also not looked into despite pieces of evidence alluding to it. As of May 2022, 19 cases were reported in connection with the Natari killings. 16 cases were filed against Kohli. He was found guilty and awarded 13 death penalties and acquitted in three for lack of evidence. Meanwhile, Pandare had six cases against him and was convicted in three. In 2017, he was awarded the death penalty for the murder and attempted rape of Pinky Sarkar. Kohli and Pandare are currently incarcerated in Dasna jail. 
Right from the beginning, widespread police corruption and miscarried justice were significant factors in the case. How many children and young women would have been saved if the police had listened to the people? The police failed to report upwards of 40 missing victims. Ten years after the crimes, the documentary The Karma Killings, streamed on Netflix, insisted upon Pandera's innocence. A few documentaries, such as Slumdog Cannibal, explored Kali's reasoning behind his depravity. Today, conflicting details, redacted statements, and different angles to the story are prevalent, making it a challenge to sort through the truth. Despite the varying information available regarding the perpetrators, the fact remains that numerous vulnerable children and young women were raped and murdered in D5. The Natari case led to calls for better law enforcement and increased attention to missing persons. The glaring oppression of the marginalized sector of society cannot be denied. Despite continued activism, the reality is that these devastating crimes, especially in impoverished communities, have been difficult to root out, remaining persistent and pervasive problem. That's all for today. Thanks for watching.